morning. I'm thankful. I thought I might get a few boos, being from Tabor and all, but uh, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, we may be uh, opponents or rivals on the court or on the field, but we're all one in the family of God, right? We're all we're unified in the family of God, and so I'm glad to be here today to be able to to share with you, um, to encourage you. Uh, Jose told you a little bit about myself. Uh, I grew up in the great state of Michigan. That's where I was born and raised and lived most of my childhood. Um, I spent most of my days um, living in, we, right, right outside our back door was forest. And so I lived my, my childhood in the forest. And, um, and so I, and you know, people growing up in Kansas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, they might think, oh, we've got some trees here. No, no, we actually had trees like miles and miles and miles of just state forest area. And, and I, li I grew up going to the lake. Like that was a big thing for us. We'd go to the lake almost every weekend. And, um, and so that was a big part of my life. Well, uh, that was through sixth grade. In seventh grade, uh, my dad took a job out in western Kansas. I don't know if any of you have been to western Kansas. Um, there's not much there. And so I show up and uh, it looks like this. And so I go from uh, forests and lakes to wilderness, right? And, um, and I was quite shocked. Actually, the day we left Michigan, it was in June. It was cold, drizzly, rainy, about 50 degrees in June. Uh, a good um, spring day in Michigan in June. And then we pulled in two days later in western Kansas, and it was 110 degrees and no shade. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. And it looked like this, of course. And I thought, my parents have moved me to hell. Uh, I literally thought that. And so, um, but over, the over time, I began to see the beauty even in places that look like a wilderness. And, and you'll never see, I will, I will put this against, I've seen, I've traveled around the world, I don't think you'll be, see a better sunset than you will in western Kansas. Because there's not, nothing blocking the view. You can see it from anywhere, right? And so the sunsets and then also the storms. Seeing a storm roll in from 100 miles away, again, because there's nothing blocking the view, uh, is, is magnificent, and it's beautiful, and you can just see the, the majesty of God in those things. As Jose said, I, I graduated from Oklahoma Wesleyan. My wife is a Tabor grad, and that's how I ended up at Tabor. Um, after graduation, I spent two years teaching English in China, which if you have an opportunity to go and overseas and, and, and experience that, I would encourage it. It was very foundational in my life. But I went, met my wife there in China. We're both from Kansas. We met in China. Crazy, I know. Um, and then we came back to the States, got married, and we have, now we have four children, 12 through 5. Um, and so um, they're awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to talk to you a moment. Let's see. Yeah, I got some time here. I want to talk to you just for a moment um, about a passage from Mark 4. And, and sometimes... I don't know, you guys all probably listen super well, but sometimes when I want my children to listen to me, I have to, like, get their attention. I have to, like, pause, like, okay, actually, I want your eyes, look at me right here, look at me, okay, I want your eyes, okay, turn off the TV, I want you to listen, and sometimes I'll even, if I, it's really important, and I really want to capture their attention, like, I might even get down on their level and, like, hold their face in my hands, like, okay, I really need you to get this. Right? 
and, I, and I'll speak to them in a way that they can understand. This is what we kind of see happening here today. Jesus is, is, is pointing something out, and he's wanting us to listen and to really hear what he's saying. And so he says, um, listen, 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 and you'll see that over and over again. But unlike my example, uh, Jesus often didn't speak um, super clearly. He often spoke in stories because he wanted people to think about. He wanted them to, to be able to wrestle with and meditate on the things that he's saying so that they become real in their own life. They can understand what he's saying, trying to get, to get the point that he's trying to get across. And so here it goes. It comes from Mark chapter 4, I, and I should be on the screen. Um, and it says this. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. They did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. It starts with listen. Hey, pay attention to this. And he ends with, he who has ears, or the whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen to this. This is important. This is what he's trying to get across. He starts the story with a farmer who's, who's going out to, to sow seed, to, to plant a field. And for us, we might, we might think of it differently. Uh, some of us, we have no concept of what that looks like, what that takes. Others of us, we might think about it differently. But in this time, it kind of paints a picture of, of a farmer who's just throwing the seed out into the field. And, and, you, and for us, um, it... It's not that big of a deal. We might think, oh, that's, that's kind of careless. He's throwing it, and it's getting on the path. Oh, it's, it's getting in the rocks. It's getting, and, but this farmer, he's just sowing the seed everywhere. And in a time, in a place where food scarcity was a real thing, like the, food that, the, the, the seed that they're planting in the ground is actually the, taking food off of their table. And so if he's just scattering it carelessly and recklessly, like this is this is crazy. That what is he doing? So it's a little bit shocking to those who are hearing this story. Uh, and by the description alone, you can tell that this farmer he's got marginal land at best. You know, there's rocks in it. There's thorn bushes in it. It's just it's not the best land. And so it's not a surprise to them that there may be some setbacks and their hardships ahead. And so this is the story. This is the story that Jesus tells. A farmer who goes out and sows seed. And some of it falls on, on a path, and it's stolen up by the birds. Some of it's thrown on rocky soil, and it comes up quickly, but then dies off. 
Some of it falls in thorns, and it gets choked out, and it doesn't produce any fruit, and it's, uh, it, it just dies out. And then lastly, there's some that falls on the good soil, and it produces a crop. And for most of the crowd, this is the end of what the teaching. Can you imagine that? That's it. All right, what am I supposed to do with that, Jesus? And Jesus says, listen, pay attention to this. Think about it. Meditate on it. What am I trying to tell you? What truth is there in this that I want you to take with you? What am I trying to teach you about the kingdom of God? This is what he's trying to get across. And so that, for, for many, that was it. And they go on their way. Now, it, it, the story continues, however, thankfully for us, because it says that Jesus, when he was alone with the twelve and others, he, they, they asked him about this. And he said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is in parables, so that seeing they may never perceiving and ever, uh, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might be they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus says, "Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word away. Uh, takes away the words that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on the rocky places." Hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed sown on the good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. And so he explains to his disciples more of what he's trying to say. What, what is the message here Jesus is trying to get across? And we could, I mean, I could spend an hour here probably digging into this. I'm not going to. Thank, yeah, I know you'll thank me for that. Um, but here's a few observations that I think we could take away from this parable, this story. One is that the sower sows generously, liberally on the unfruitful ground, even on the unfruitful ground. The, par the parable projects, the story projects uh, a prodigal sower. The word prodigal just means spending money or resources freely, rec recklessly, wastefully extravagant. Okay, so this idea of wastefully extravagant, he's generous, and, and he's throwing the seeds everywhere. Even on places that might be unfruitful, he's still sowing seed there. Okay, so the sower sows liberally, even on the unfruitful ground. Another one is that God's word never fails. Even though there are obstacles and setbacks, the farmer will have a harvest from the good soil. God's word never fails. Another one is that evil does not vanish immediately at the coming of Christ and his kingdom. People don't universally respond to, to the message of the good news. Failure is not unexpected because the seed is susceptible to being devoured or choked out or withered. Some will reject God's word no matter how it comes. They will look and see nothing. They will listen and hear nothing. 
And the last thing I think we can take away as an observation from this is that fruit bearing is essential in the kingdom of God. There's a strong emphasis on listening, receiving, and then doing. There's a strong emphasis in Jesus' teaching about listening, receiving it, and then doing it, putting it into practice. Okay, so if we take these observations, what can we do with this? What, how can we apply this to our lives? What, what does it mean for me personally? So the first thing I think that we can, we can um, take away from this is that a sower doesn't prejudge the soil. A sower doesn't prejudge the soil. Doesn't decide in advance whether the soil has some potential or if it will be a waste of time. The sower simply sows generously. How many times do we prejudge soil before sharing God's word? How many times do we look at, at, at someone or, uh, you know, we feel like, oh, I should share with them the good news of, like, what God has done in my life. But we're like, oh, I don't think that's going to do anything. Or it might be a waste of time. Or they're, they're not to be the ones that would receive it. And so we maybe shy back from obeying God's prompting in our lives to, to share. How many times do we predetermine? If we should share the good news of what God's done in us because we've determined there's little potential or for growth. When I was first, when I first started at Tabor, um, there was a, a student there and his name was Bubba. And Bubba was there from Oakland, California. Um, and uh, he, he would tell me, I'm just here for, for my sport. I'm just here to play football. That's all I, don't, that's all I care about. Uh, and Bubba, I mean, he was, he's a big, he was a lineman, uh, big dude, he had tattoos all up and down, you know, his neck and his arms, and he was just the sweetest guy, um, but if you were to look at him, some might say, oh, mm, I don't think that would be fruitful, and I might shy back from sharing with, with Bubba, however, I'm thankful that they didn't, because he, Bubba had a peer uh, a, a fellow student who was willing to say, you know what, it doesn't matter what anyone looks like, I'm just going to share with Bubba. And uh, he shared the good news with Bubba, and he um, told him what God had done in his own life. He shared the good news of what Jesus, and Bubba, it, it, he received it. Like, it was good news to him. And he just began to, he was hungry for the word of God. He began to, to meet with this student and to grow in his faith. And uh, later that semester, he ended up getting baptized. I say that because we don't know, we don't really know the state of someone's heart. We don't know if it's hard soil, rocky soil, or good soil. We're not called to prejudge the soil. We're just called to sow the seed. Bubba was only there for one semester. And yet that God brought him to Tabor for just that purpose, I believe. So that he could come to know the good news. If we look at Jesus' example, probably many in his time would have said, uh, Jesus, what are you doing? You are hanging out with the wrong crowd. You're scattering your seed, you're sowing your seed in the wrong places. Tax collectors, sinners, you're hanging out with the wrong group. 
Yet, that's where he hung out. Zacchaeus, he called him down. He, he was, um, and, and yet Zacchaeus was hungry. He was ready to receive the word, the message that Jesus had for him. Matthew, one of his own disciples, people would have shunned. They would have, would have that would not have been the person they would have picked to share the good news with. But Jesus didn't prejudge the soil. And he asks that we don't either. We just sow generously. So that's the first one. Sowers don't prejudge the soil. The second one is that success comes from God. We don't need to take credit for success or shame for failure. Many times we get caught up in, um, in our own success of sharing with others. Or other times we get discouraged if, if we share something or share uh, the word or share the gospel with someone and it doesn't take or and they don't receive it. Success comes from God. God. We are called to sow the seed and God is the one that makes it grow. God is the one who gets the success. And so we don't need to get caught up for it. And this third one that I have kind of ties in with this. And it says, sowers are, are not called to be successful, but faithful. We're called to be obedient. We're called to be faithful to what God calls us to do. Not necessarily successful. And that might be weird to hear, but God is more, uh, God is more impressed by our obedience than our success. Quote, unquote. Uh, when I was, um, see, we had... I had a boss, uh, and he shared this story with me one time, uh, and it was a perfect example uh, of this idea. And so I thought I would share it with you, and it says this, Once upon a time, there was a man who was sleeping at night in his cabin, when suddenly his room filled with light, and the Savior appeared. The Lord told the man that he had work for him to do, and he showed him a large rock in front of his cabin. The Lord explained to the man that the man was to push against the rock with all of his might. And the man did. Day after day, he pushed against this rock for many years, day in, day out. He toiled from sunup to sundown, his shoulders set squarely against the massive, cold surface of the rock, pushing with all his might. And yet each night, the man returned to his cabin sore and worn out, feeling that his whole day had been spent in vain, for the rock never moved. Seeing that the man was showing signs of discouragement, Satan decided to enter the picture, placing thoughts into the man's mind such as, you've been pushing against that rock for a long time and it hasn't budged. Why kill yourself over this? You're never going to move it. Thus giving the man the impression that the task was impossible and that he was a failure. These thoughts discouraged and disheartened the man more and more. Why am I killing myself over this? I'll just put in my time, giving just the minimum amount of effort, and that will be good enough. And that was what he planned to do. Until one day he decided to take it to the Lord in prayer. He said, Lord, I've labored long and hard in your service, putting all my strength to do that which you've asked. Yet after all this time, it has not even budged the rock half a millimeter. What is wrong? Why am I failing? And to this, the Lord responded compassionately. He said, 
my child. When long ago I asked you to serve me, you accepted. I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all your strength, which you have done. Never once did I mention to you that I expected you to move it. Your task was to push. And now you come to me, your strength spent, thinking that you have failed. But is that really so? Look at yourself. Your arms are strong and muscled. Your back is sinewed and brown. Your hands are calloused from constant pressure, and your legs have become massive and hard. Through opposition, you have grown much, and your abilities now surpass that which you used to have. Yet you haven't moved the rock. But your calling was to be obedient and to push and to exercise your faith and trust in my wisdom. This you have done. I, my child, will now move the rock. So many times we get caught up in this idea of success, of, of moving the rock, when really all God is asking us to do is to be obedient, to do what he asks us to do, and allow the results to him, to leave the results to him. The fourth thing that I think we can apply from this is that um, we have a responsibility to receive the word of God in our own life. We have a responsibility. Is our, when, uh, when the word of God comes to us, and I'm not talking about just the gospel and, and accepting Jesus into our hearts, but when, when the word of God comes to us, when God speaks to us, whether it's in chapel or in your own private reading of God's word, through a student, a friend, a peer on campus who, who shares with you something that the Lord has taught them, so maybe even something for you that you're supposed to receive, how do we receive the word of God? Do we listen and obey, or is our heart hardened, and we don't allow anything to sink in? We don't, want, we don't seek to understand, we don't try to understand, our hearts are hardened to the word of God. Or maybe we, we receive it, and we receive it with joy, but um, it's shallow-rooted. We don't have faith. To, to hold on to what God has taught us or to, is speaking to us. And so we receive it, but then soon when persecution comes, when, 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 when people start teasing us because of this faith that we have, maybe we shrink back. See, Jesus doesn't promise us an easy road, but the deepest walk with God will come under pressure. We'll come under that pressure. It'll grow our roots. We'll, we'll be able to trust in Him more. Maybe, maybe materialism cramps our faith. We, we hear the word of God, and we receive it, but there's other desires. There's other things that also are creeping into our hearts that don't allow that word to really be fruitful. That don't allow us to be fruitful in our lives because we're wanting this and that. And we see, ooh, that looks nice. I actually want to go do that. And we want the pleasures and the comfort of life. Many in the church would like to have it both ways, to have wealth and to be faithful to God. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wealth, but when we try to pursue both equally, wealth and Jesus, it doesn't work. Jesus says it's like serving two masters. Such a thing strangles our commitment to God. And so these are the things that Jesus identifies that make bad soil bad. 
And maybe one of you is in one of these three places right now. Perhaps the Lord is inviting you to, to just listen, to hear what he has to say. You see, soil can't change its character. Soil can't change. If soil is hard and packed down, it's not going to change. If soil is rocky, it's, but humans can. And that's the good news, is that we can actually hear and receive the word of God, and it can change our hearts, and we can actually change the condition of our hearts from hard to, to good soil. We can change the condition of our hearts from materialistic to, to good soil. We can change. You see, I love the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Many people don't. They feel like, oh, I feel, I feel bad. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is a good thing. It purifies us. It draws us back to the Father's heart. It draws us back into alignment with Him so that we're pursuing the things that He wants us to pursue. So, so we're pursuing uh, Him. And so if you're feeling like, oh God, what, what can I do with it? What can I take away? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm supposed to, to change my soil. I'm identifying myself. Oh, I've, I've become, uh, I've found myself right now in, this, in the area of, of a thorny soil or weedy soil. Maybe I need to turn back and repent and come back to him. Maybe I find myself in this place where I'm just hard and I not, don't want to receive the word of God at all. Maybe the enemy comes and he's snatching it away. I can repent and allow the Holy Spirit to come and bring me back into alignment with him. Lastly, I just want to point out that Jesus doesn't identify what makes good soil good. He doesn't identify what makes good soil good. He doesn't give us a list of things to do in order to be good soil. For that, I believe we have to continually listen for the word of God. To receive it and allow it to take root in our hearts and our lives. See, God is inviting us to listen to his word. To receive it. To hear the good news of the kingdom of God. He's inviting us to repent if needed and realign ourselves with him and his will for our life. And, and he's inviting us to share his message with others around us, with all around us, without prejudging the soil. I believe God is seeking our undivided attention today. And he's getting down and saying, hey, listen, this is important. Listen to the word. Receive this. This is, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. How will you respond? Jesus, I thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to come and share. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear your word and respond. In Jesus' name, amen.